Brian, how's it going? Good, good. Waiting on Tyler again. Yeah. Turtle. Old turtle. All right, I just invited him. So what's going on with you, Brian? Nothing, nothing, man. Just uh, cranking through the the week, the week, you know, doing the normal uh, normal thing. How about you? Yeah, you. What's your adult beverage of choice? Tonight, I'm enjoying a fine Pilsner beer, a Miller Light. Not a sponsor. <laughs> nice. How about you? Uh, right now, nothing. Just some water. Just some water to wet the whistle. Turtle, can you unmute yourself? Struggles full reel with Turtle. I know, seriously. But, uh, you know, you know how it is with him. Hey. Can't all have Milliwop on our roster, old Davis Mills. All right. Give him one more second. I'm in here, boys. My bad. It's almost, All right. Yeah, it's almost All as right. bad as some of the trades we're going to be talking stop, start, about. Stop, start, stop, stop, start. All mm. right, we're we're underway. Turtle, how you doing today? Oh, you know, I'm just living the dream, just trying to figure out all this technology. I know. So we got some feedback from, shout out to old Shady Nasty. Shady Nasty, that's Rosier, gave us some feedback. He's got years and years of being in a band, so gave us some feedback on, you know, getting some equipment uh improve the audio we're trying to implement all that colin had this major release today too that we're trying to get acquainted with but our our league members who have androids can now join which is awesome uh we're gonna go ahead kick this started we're gonna uh let's roll that intro music then we'll jump right in A little flow by Luke Bergs. Got to shout out old Lukey boy. That was a good flow to get us started. Uh, yeah. You feeling the vibes? Oh, so many vibes. All right. We got a pretty cool uh, show, Doc, together for you guys today. Um, were there any games this past week? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. So what, what went on? So Super Bowl review, guys. Big game. Got the Rams coming out on top. Rams and the refs. Teamed up to uh, to take one home for, you know, Hollywood. And, uh, Turtle, you, you had predicted an Evan McPherson MVP with 350-yard-plus field goals plus the game winner. <laughs> Didn't work out that way, but at least Evan McPherson stayed out of the halftime room and, and saw, the, saw the halftime show with the rest of us. What did you think about that? I mean, why would you miss it? Yeah. Why would you miss it? <laughs> That's all it's all I Best best halftime show of of our generation, right? Certainly Hollywood. had me feeling young. Got to tell you, I was a bit confused why Fifty Cent was upside down. Was I don't know if he was upside down in the original in the club video or not. I was trying to figure it out for a while. People started hitting on Fifty, saying you know taking knocks at him, shots, saying he was he's big, three times bigger than he used to be. I don't yeah, know. Break, it looked like breaking. he still whooped some butt. Breaking news, 50 Cent has now changed his name to a dollar due to inflation. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So so talk to me about the game. Uh, I, I previously had predicted it's going to be a Rams victory. It's going to be the Bengals offensive line that lets them down. 
Uh, I don't know that I was absolutely right, but the offensive line did Joe Burrow no favors. What do you guys think? I mean, neither of those offensive lines really did anything, to be completely honest. Um, I mean, neither team could really get that running game going. Uh, I mean, it, it was really just a continuation of, of the season for the the Bengals, right? I mean, it, it was always going to be an offensive line challenge, right? And, and Burrow getting sacked 70 times and uh, I think either tying or breaking the record for most sacks during the postseason. I mean, the dude's going to get absolutely killed if they don't address that this offseason. I mean, that, that's they got to put their focus there. Already kind of, you know – worrisome that people are comparing him to an Andrew Luck potential situation. So hashtag not the borough owner in any dynasty league, but uh, love the kid, love the swag. How could you not? Yeah, I was going to say, he's a, he's just a player, man. You could even hear him on a, a few internet clips just talking to all the players on the uh, Rams, and it was pretty cool to see. You know, he's just a, a regular kid who's just – he's out there absolutely balling, and he's just making people look silly. I personally think they should have won that game, but the Rams took it, and you know Cooper Cup is just unreal. That guy has come on, and he is such a great player. Yeah, Almost so I wish I never told him off. Perfect segue, right? We want to talk about the MVP. That was Cooper Cup. Um, in our league anyway, drafted by Corey, uh, traded to Turtle. Turtle, you ended up flipping him, but I don't think you got any regrets. Uh, just talk to us about Cup. Is he, you know – on the, the second or possible best wide receiver season ever, if you factor in the playoffs, uh, is he your number one going number one wide receiver going into next season in Dynasty? And if not, is he in redraft? Uh, personally, I, I, I think the guy is unbelievable at what he does. I don't know if I would put him number one overall in Dynasty formats. Maybe redraft. Um, Dynasty, he's a little too old to be number one. Although he's going to continue to just dominate uh, at his respective position. But you know who, you know who my number one is. My number one and two is going to always be Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. You could really flip them one, one, one or two. doesn't really matter. I hear you. Brian, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think the story of Cooper cup season was, uh, and it really started in last off season, right. With, with how cup and woods, Robert Woods, old Bobby trees were, were being valued. Right. I mean, they were both around the same spot and I mean, I, I'm wondering how much, uh, how much did cup benefit from him going down and being the only guy to develop the rapport with, uh, with Stafford. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, his only competition later in the season was Odell, who was still developing chemistry with Stafford. So, you know, I, unless they bring somebody in early on and start getting them acclimated with Stafford, I have to think at least through the first part of next year, Cooper Cup is the same guy that we saw through the entirety of this season. If there's somebody else that can develop some chemistry with Stafford, you know, maybe that takes a little bit away from him. But I, I still think, you know, Cup is at, at minimum a top, 10 dynasty play even with his age uh 29 season coming on and and i would probably say top easily top five for redraft yeah i I, I would say and we'll move on from cooper cup i'd say you know and we'll talk a lot of trades i think in this in this show we're going to get deep into into some not only trades from our league but but overall general trade strategies for um for dynasty and 
I wouldn't say trade Chase or Jefferson, that type of tier, but if you're making a push for this year and you think you got a damn good shot, I'd try to get Cooper Cup on your roster. He's not that old. He's going to be around, and if they don't change much, uh, I don't really see any fall off. The consistency is just unreal. Let's wrap up Super Bowl weekend review, Turtle. Um, how do we do betting? I know you laid down some uh, some cash. Uh, did we end up in the green or were we in the red? Oh, luckily for me, it was a it was a good bankroll builder. I actually ended up taking the uh, Bengals plus four and a half, and I paired it with the under, and it smacked. I was very happy about that. Um, the other thing that I took was the Odell Beckham first touchdown, which also hit. So I was pretty happy with my uh, bets for the Super Bowl. But, of course, this week I've been just getting absolutely crushed with college basketball because God knows I can't pick pick them right. you got to know when to fold them, right? Absolutely. And, and certainly not betting on buying in the Champions League. Um, no. So, I mean, that is probably the extent of soccer that we'll talk on the show. We do have a couple soccer fans here. Uh, but, yeah, don't go losing your money from a good Super Bowl weekend. Uh, with Champions League, nothing gets fixed like soccer games. Oh, yeah, crazy! I was going to say, you think betting in the NFL is rigged, right? College basketball and soccer. Oof. You can never, you, you can augment a game very easily in soccer. Turtle, let, let's stick with you, right? Um, moving past the game, a lot of stuff happens. You know, while the screen, while the game wasn't on, the screen was still going. We're watching commercials. We're laughing or we're saying, why the hell did they spend $50 million for those 30 seconds? Um, give us your Turtles Top 3 Super Bowl commercial edition from this past Sunday. Well, I really do enjoy the personalities on uh, these commercials. I think it's an awesome marketing strategy to get these high-end Hollywood actors on these uh, companies' commercials. So to kick it off, I will 100% say that the Larry David FTX commercial was great. I am a huge Larry, Larry David fan, and you can never go wrong with that man on your screen. He is instant comedy. You know, Mari, my wife, walked out of the room, and I, I had to call her back. I said, you're missing the best commercial of, of the night. It was absolutely hilarious. Are you a Curb Your Enthusiasm guy, Brian? Because that one just had me from the jump. You know, guys, I'm I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh man, I'm, I'm a big Seinfeld guy, so you know I've got my I've got my uh, my my part there. But yeah, I've never really caught on to Curb Your Enthusiasm. So I'm kind of jealous because you got this whole new world of of humor and laughs ahead of you that uh, that I've experienced. So you know, watch it when you got some time. Turtle, yeah. what we got for number two? Oh, number two. I'm going to stick with the comedy gold. Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen, Lay's Potato Chips. How could you really beat that combo? Those guys are both absolutely unreal when they talk. All right. Okay. I got to say, I mean, I know I'm chiming in a lot here, and I'll let Brian maybe get the third one. It started off great. Uh, I thought, you know, they're in the convertible on the road trip, feeding each other chips. Hilarious. Great bromance moment. I uh, just felt they didn't stick the landing with the whole marrying the demon in the end. But, you know, uh, whatever, right? That's one man's opinion. What do you got for number three? Oh, man, I'm torn between number number three. I really am. Um, if I really was to break it down, I would just say, I, I don't want to be cliche, but I, I just really think that Coinbase 
did a great job with what they did. I know that everyone was texting me saying that they tried to take a shot of the uh, QR code. I did not because my fiance looked at me. She's like, yo, that's a scam. I said, I know. I don't know if it is, but <laughs> you know, it was, it was just cool to see that a lot, I would say, I don't even know the percentage, but it had to have been at least 30% of the commercials all were crypto related. And that's just crazy to see in this day and age. It's like, if you're not moving with the times, you might be falling backwards. Uh, I'm so happy that you said that that was your favorite commercial. Cause I, I, I mean, I'm all about the laughs with commercials, but I felt like that, that was a, perfectly executed commercial for for uh for coinbase it cost him what 50 bucks to make i mean you know, nothing basically I mean, and think of the you gotta you gotta have that in the confluence of today's day and age right we go to a restaurant what do we do you don't have a menu you scan the qr code right exactly, so exactly as soon as you see one you're whipping out the phone um i certainly did by the time i had done it Coinbase actually had crashed. I couldn't even get through, but, uh, you know, Coinbase was at in the ticker at the top. Uh, same thing. Thought it was genius. Great marketing work. Well done. And that's a nice top three, Turtle. That, thanks for putting that together. We're going we're gonna to dovetail that. Then we're going to jump into real fantasy. A little more tugging around the Super Bowl. T- Turtle's top three Super Bowl foods. What were you eating this, this weekend? Oh man, you know, come on. It's just, it's pizza and wings. Those are the top two classics. And then if I really feel like doing it, I did not do it this year, but I do love me some Buffalo chicken dip. And then I will also love to eat some sort of dessert, whether it's a uh, cake brownies, you know, just, just really get after it. Yeah. So Brian, did you, did you try your first ever Buffalo chicken dip? Yeah, man, it wasn't, it wasn't my first ever, but it was, it was damn good. Um, yeah, no, it, it, I mean, pizza, wings, buff chick dip. Uh, it it was it was a it was a cheat day. So I'm not yeah I'm not going to sit here and say that I have kafilta fish, you know, and like something <laughs> crazy. It's just the classics. It's always the classics. There you yeah. go. There you go. We kept it simple here. We had just wings, but they were buffalo. They were spicy, and they were delicious. Yeah. So. Uh, great pairing, great game of football. Um, sad it's the off season, but Hey guys, welcome to dynasty, right? This is where it starts. You know, uh, you're building your team over these next seven to eight months to be prepared for setting that lineup in September. Now, one thing to know, none of us, not a single person in the league is going to be setting a lineup until September. So if you got a weakness in a position, you don't got a tight end. Maybe you don't not even one on your roster. You're weak at your wide receiver two or three. You don't got a second running back that you feel confident about. No need to stress. Don't think your roster sucks. A lot of things are going to change this offseason. You have plenty of time to make a move. No one's setting their lineup until whatever opening weekend they announced, whatever it was, September 15th. I might be getting my dates wrong. Um, but plenty of time to figure out your team, right? So, we wanted to talk about two things off the jump, right? Segwaying from the Super Bowl into Dynasty offseason. One, how do you keep the league engaged, right? And two, what are the key things to look at throughout the Dynasty offseason and keep, uh, keep your eye on the ground or your ear to the ground and your eyes peeled for, right? And those two things actually dovetail into this segment, which is if you can yourself keep these – uh, dates in mind, you might have a competitive advantage over your particular league. But if you make it 
part of the league offseason, whatever your rules and regulations are, you'll keep your particular league engaged. So we'll kind of curb a little bit on engagement. Let's talk about the key important offseason dates that are happening. So starting, it's going to be early next week. It's February, and we pulled all these together. So um, we did the hard work so you don't have to. You want to uh, rewind this back and jot down some dates that, that are meaningful to you. You can, but you don't got to crash your cars now writing anything down. We'll put it in the show notes. February 22nd to March 8th. That's going to be the period that teams are allowed to franchise and transition tag players, right? So we all know what the franchise tag is. You can use it up to three times in a row each time with incremental more money going to that person. But essentially, that means that person who is eligible for free agency is not eligible any longer. They can either sign with the team or sit out the season. Um, There's the transition tag. There's not much difference from... From the franchise tag, only it can't be used three times in a row. But that's going to start happening next Tuesday. We should see things happen relatively quickly. But teams may wait all the way up until March 8th to try to sign a deal. Um, Long-term deal, if they can't, they're going to assign that player the franchise tag. Brian Turtle, who are some of the candidates you think out there that are going to be getting that franchise tag? Their teams are absolutely not letting them walk. And then we'll talk about maybe some of the ones who eh, they could be. Yeah, I mean, I think the most obvious one is uh, is Devontae Adams with Green Bay. Um, mm-hmm. It's also the riskiest one, right? Because if if Rodgers leaves, right, I don't think that Devontae Adams is going to be uh, really happy sitting around there with uh, with Mr. Love as his quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's coming up on his, his, what, age 29 season here. Um, you know, he's, he's not a spring chick and he's got to be chasing that championship at this point. And, uh, and I don't think it's going to happen with Davis Love or Jordan Love. Sorry. So if you're the, uh, Devante Adams owner, which you happen to be turtle, (laughs) how are you feeling with the unknown, with the Rogers situation, but based on what Brian's saying, the high degree of confidence that he is going to be in Green Bay, Green Bay is not going to let him walk and exercise the franchise tag if he doesn't sign an extension. Yeah, I mean, Devontae is like one of the only receivers in the NFL that doesn't really scare me. I don't know how much his numbers will go down if he has to change uh, teams and his quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think that this man deserves the Brink truck to be back up, backed up into his house. I really don't know how else to put it. He's been one of the most consistent receivers in the NFL for years and years and years. I know that that's in a large part to do to Rodgers, but who's to say that he can't be that effective without a guy like Rodgers? Yeah, no, it's fair. It's fair. I think, and I agree with Brian's earlier point, that's probably the only one that's clear and obvious. Um, So if we move down a tier to the ones who, yeah, you, you could see it happening. Um, but it's not a guarantee. Um, what do you? Because again, this is happening all prior to free agency, so you don't really know what these teams are thinking. I would bucket the next two as Chris Godwin and Mike Williams, respectively. Yes. Uh, both players that are great. You don't think that your te- their teams would let them walk, but could they have an eye towards free agency and said, say, 
well, I'm not going to tag you. Maybe we work something out in two weeks. What do you guys think about those two players I threw out? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm particularly interested in the Mike Williams situation, right? Um, you know that that receiver in that offense, the X receiver, is is really one of the most important positions in that offense. And and there was a lot of hype last season about you know Mike Williams being the guy. And, you know, uh, potentially a, a, a wide receiver one that you could draft in, you know, the eighth or ninth round. And, you know, he's, he actually started the season off, you know, pretty hot this year and, and was performing, uh, you know, sort of as expected. And then, you know, he got his perennial in, injury and, and uh, you know, fell off towards the end of the season, but still finished, uh, you know, fairly high. I, I, I think uh, at least it's a wide receiver, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so I, I think. I'm particularly compelled about what happens with that position because if, if they don't franchise tag Mike Williams, then I'm I'm paying attention to who does end up in that in that position, and uh, you know they're going to be somebody that I'm going to be targeting. Yeah, it's always interesting, right? Because we don't see it a lot in the NFL of big names moving teams, right? Uh, the trade market, there's not always blockbusters happening, but when someone does sign a free agent, it's one of those few signals that we as fantasy owners can get that a team is showing extreme interest in a player. So if someone goes out, whether it's a good team or a bad team, and invest a lot of money in a guy like Mike Williams, you got to see that as a positive sign and see that stock go upward, even if he's moving from getting targets from Justin Herbert, Herbert rather, to targets from, say, Justin Fields. He trades Justin's uh, they want to surround Fields with talent, with A-Rob potentially moving on. Uh, yeah, he's not a Herbert, but if he just got a lot of money, are they going to force-feed him targets? It's something to think about. Turtle, what do you think about Godwin? And then we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, Godwin is such an interesting one. You know, the ACL tear definitely doesn't, didn't help him. But with that being said, the Bucks might be a mess this year. So who knows what they're what they're thinking about doing. Um I think Godwin would be a great fit in many other uh, teams as well. He could be he could be a clear cut number one receiver on on a team like the the Jets or I, I don't even know who 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 else would he who else could he be a, a good candidate to go for? Well, I'll tell you if Mike Williams walks, it leaves an opening. Oof! Wow, that would be wild. That would the good be thing there. about this, guys, we're not going to have to wait long to find out. Again, that's February 22nd to March 8th, so only a few weeks, and we're going to know where the first few dominoes are falling. Those are things to watch, so you can send that maybe trade offer as you read the tea leaves of what teams are saying with their actions as opposed to their words. I'll, I'll give you guys – I'll give you one more just before we change segments, right, that, that I think uh, – is it may only happen and it may actually give the story about what's going to happen with another uh, key dynasty after that. And that's Michael Gallup. Wow. Uh, sure. I forgot about him actually. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I traded for, I got Gallup on my roster. I traded for him, uh, you know, earlier in the season. I knew that free agency was coming up and I, I knew that he was going to be a hot name. And I honestly really thought that he was going to be that Mike Williams placement in, uh, in uh, uh, L.A. with the Chargers, and then he got injured, and, and I was really bummed about it because, you know, I, I don't know that it's going to happen, but I do think that he may actually end up staying in Dallas on the franchise tag. If that happens, 
you know, I am not going to be surprised to see Dallas move on from Amari. Cooper. Yeah, I, I think that's 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 valid. You've heard uh, we've heard a little bit about, you know, does C.D. Lamb elevate and does he need Amari Cooper to depart in order for him to elevate to that true elite level? I mean, the Jefferson Chase level of young elite wide receivers, like unquestioned. Um, it'll be interesting to see how those dominoes fall. Um, and again, we don't have to wait long. So moving along so we can uh, continue on with the with the show. March 1st to March 7th. So in parallel to this whole franchise, tag, the NFL scouting combines going down. So keep an eye on that. If you're a big metrics guy, you'll want to pay attention to short area quickness, burst, jump. If you're wanting your uh, team or, or teams that you've got running backs on to improve their offense, off- offensive lines, you're going to w- want to watch some of what the offensive linemen doing in terms of uh, bench presses and stuff like that and see where those guys ultimately go in the draft. But you're going to get your initial data points at the NFL scouting combine. You know stuff's going to pop off on the 40 times. We're officially going to get actual official 40 times this year. With you know COVID last year, everyone was setting records. Um, Turtle will preach Elijah Mitchell fast disguise since Usain Bolt with all these pro days that are going <laughs> on at their colleges. Uh, we're going to get some official stuff this year. And we'll, uh, not everyone will be uh, Usain Bolt moving forward. On March 16th, the new, year, the new NFL League officially starts um, its, its new year. So the, what we've done in our personal Dynasty League is we've set that March 16th date as the day when everyone gets their grant of fab for the season ahead. So people can use their fab throughout uh, if they have any leftover from the past season up to March 16th. At that point, everyone re-ups to 100 bucks, and um, maybe a little pre-draft action. There's obviously not much on waiver wires nowadays, but if people are moving uh, around, if uh, Melvin Gordon goes somewhere, does someone want to toss a few bucks on, on Mike Boone? Uh, those sorts of things can happen. But again, um, you'll want to be mindful of how you're spending because you need to make it to next March 16th or whenever the next uh, new year starts. So in addition to the new le- new league year starting on the 16th, that's when NFL free agency starts, which is going to be great. I'll, those things happen fast and furious. The tier one and tier two guys are gone within two to three days. Generally, a lot of stuff's going to happen fast and furious starting that day one. You know that people are talking ahead of that ironing out deals. So that's going to start being a very busy time, even though it might be a short peak in terms of dynasty. Uh, people are going to start changing team dynamics. Targets are going to be all of a sudden gone from a team because a wide receiver room has changed. And now those targets are going to be available for the next season. You're going to want to see what kind of piece is going to absorb that target share. Um, all things to look at starting March 16th. Um, maybe some less less exciting dates. Off-season workouts, April 4th. Um, the April 22nd is the last day of restricted free agency signing. Uh, April 27th being the last day to match offer sheets on restricted free agents. And then April 28th is the start of the draft. So the 28th, 29th, and 30th, we get the three-day draft period, uh, which is, I believe, a Thursday, a Friday, and a Saturday. Uh, leaving May 
May 1st, the Sunday, which is actually where we start our draft. So again, a way to engage when we talk about off-season dates and engagement as we wrap up this segment. What we've done to keep the league kind of engaged, everyone needs to do their due diligence now, starting February 22nd from the franchise tag through April 30th on the draft. That's a, as much homework as you do, you'll build your competitive advantage versus your league mates. But then, you know, you'll have the league chatter. But to keep the team engaged during that spring lull period, we've split the, uh, the rookie draft up to being a slow snake. And we're doing one round each Sunday. So immediately after the draft, teams will be able to digest the first, the day one and day two, really. And starting that Sunday the the draft is going to start for the first 12 picks. Then, you know, uh, folks will have an additional week before round two, and subsequently through May 31st, we'll wrap up uh, our round five rookie draft. We we particularly have five in our league, five rounds. So that's your important off-season dates. A couple, you know, tips on how you can potentially leverage it into your league off-season to keep folks involved. Brian and Turtle, any final comments on on that? You know how we like to keep people involved. We just keep the the chat rolling. We talk a little bit of garbage to each other, and it just keeps it very fun. Yeah, and you know what happens a lot, too, is trades, right? That really gets everyone pulled in because, you know, whether you got real-life news or not, you're shifting the balance within the league each and every time a trade's made, sometimes by a lot, sometimes by a little. Sometimes you don't know until it plays out a little bit if draft picks are involved. But that's a great segue into our next segment, which is, well, it's the drama part of Dynasty Drama, right? Is what is more dramatic than a trade that just sets the league on fire, right? So we wanted to look back at a few trades from this past year. And even 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 post uh, post the conclusion of the fantasy year, but prior to the conclusion of the Super Bowl, where some play up, playoff you know trades were getting made in our dynasty league, and talk through them right, and and that that's the dramatic part that um, each of us are going to have in our leagues is is the inflammatory results of some trades. So I'll start it off. We had a real interesting league debate happened and uh, it was a, it was a trade involving Mark Andrews and it wasn't that the trade was uh, I would say unbalanced um, per se, but it did fill the need of, of the previous championship team. The, the main spot they were looking to fill was tight end. He's since filled that spot, but, this trade was actually vetoed on a technicality. Now, it's, I'm the commissioner of our league, and it's my stance that veto should not be in place. Veto should not be used. Trade should go through. We have one rule in our league that trades are vetoed if there's an imbalance in the draft picks that are moving between two teams. So the way that it works for us is we have a cut-down day, which was the day after the Super Bowl, of getting your team down to 25. We're going to let the offseason play out, and the day before the draft, teams need to cut their rosters down from the 25-man roster to the 20-man roster. 
and you refill from spots 21 through 25 through the rookie and available player draft, that happens days later, right? So um, in order to do that, for each team to have those five picks at some point during the rookie draft, everyone needs to have five draft picks. This particular trade um, did not have an even number of picks from both sides, so it was vetoed. And it was just said, go figure out the trade offline. Um, that's where things get interesting is we had one league member say that he had no recollection of it actually accepting or sending that trade. So he was happy for the veto, but it angered the other league mate because they thought simply they would reconcile the, the draft pick mishap and then the trade would go through again you know, two minutes later, which never, which never came to fruition. So I think I kind of set up the, that trade, that first trade a little bit. Um, Brian Turtle, you let me know if I, if I'm remembering history wrong, and then I want to get your comments on, on, on how that went down. Whole thing, whole thing's crazy, man. I mean, so I think my, my first thought on it is everybody gets a mulligan. Right, you know, and w- within reason. Right, I think you know one one time if you if you say, "Hey, I accepted a trade. I didn't I didn't look at what I was doing." You know, I mean, sleeper apps, great app, but you know, maybe I missed with the draft pick. I maybe I wasn't paying too much attention. I accepted. I was tired. You know, I, I was doing whatever, and I just accepted the trade. And then I looked at it later and realized, oh no, I didn't want to trade you know, my first, I thought I was doing a different deal. You know, I, I think everybody can agree that, uh, you know, everybody gets a freebie. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I personally, right. When that one happened, I, 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 I got it. Right. I mean, I, 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 I gave him the benefit of the doubt there. Okay. So I just invited from the listeners to the speakers, uh, Corey, He's the, he was one half of this trade deal. He is the person who was upset that the trade was not re-engaged because he was looking to land Mark Andrews and ultimately didn't because um, his trade partner ultimately backed out and, and didn't send him the pick. Corey, what, what do you got to say about that? Well, first, what's going on, guys? Glad to be on the what's app. Up, Corey? How are we doing? We're doing all right. So basically, as, a, as you guys have been discussing, Oh dear! Oh, he's got Walmart Wi-Fi oh, here. We call uh, that Walmart Wi-Fi. Boy, oh, sorry, did I, I, I cut out there? Day one of Andrew. Day one of Andrew. Sorry about that. So there was a trade involving Mark Andrews, DK Metcalf, and a few draft picks. So at the time when the trade went through, whether it was proposed by me or, or accepted by me, is null and void because you, obviously for the trade to actually process for anybody to see it, both teams have to accept it. So. But like you guys are saying with the whole, oh, I didn't do it on purpose kind of thing. All right, maybe one time. But as we all know, it wasn't just one time. All right. So actually, let's pause there. That's a good segue. Thanks for being a good sport on that. Acknowledging that whatever is the one time. And I will throw out there, I did see screenshots. The trade was actually proposed to Corey from by uh, names out of it from the other manager um, who who didn't recollect. Now, again. The reason why it was vetoed, guys, was 
based on the technicality. There is no other way as commissioner I would veto a trade. Um, if someone, I don't agree with the trade and they, I believe they're making their team worse, it's not my position to do so. I can't tell the future better than anyone else. I've adopted that mindset and it's worked well within our leagues. The only thing I was trying to keep balance was, was honoring those, those draft pick trades so that we could see through the rookie draft the way that we intended to. Um, and I imagine that they would just re-engage. Um, obviously, they didn't come to fruition. So that's going to roll us into the next trade we wanted to talk about, which I will call the Debo Samuel Fugue State, right? So the, a week later, uh, Corey, who's now on his guest speaker, realizes this trade's not happening for Mark Andrews. He re-engages that same owner for Debo Samuel, uh, I believe you sent DK Metcalf. So DK Metcalf is still involved. The owner obviously wanted DK Metcalf. So it was Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, and some draft picks. This time, even Stevens, what, you know, one pick from each side or what have you. So the trade goes pending. It pops through. Uh, pops through, meaning I, I processed it. Now, all of a sudden, we have this owner coming and saying he has no recollection of sending the trade yet again. And again, I got screenshots. This was a trade sent from that owner to uh, Corey. And ultimately, um, he pulled a Walter White. I don't know if you guys have seen Breaking Bad, but he pulled a full Walter White. He went full fugue state, didn't recall his actions, (laughs) wanted the trade unwinded, wanted the picks unwinded. And you know what? We had to let it stand. And, so the trade has since stood, but unfortunately, because um, some of that, you know, the cause from the drama, some of the legitimacy of, of uh, what we're hearing from a certain owner is in question, we've temporarily locked him from trading uh, just so that when his trades do go through five minutes later, they're not being recanted. So, Corey, walk us through your mindset. It was a roller coaster of a week for you. You land Debo Samuel, you're happy. And then five minutes later, there's talk of it being unwound. Right, which is a little baffling to me. And like I had shown to the league or to, to you, to the commissioner, that the, the trade was ultimately sent to me from that owner for the second time with the same picks, picks involved. I even had a text message saying Debo in the first, DK Metcalf, Damian Harris in a pick. Yeah, but what, what, good. we're not just talking to any first here, right? I mean, this this particular we're not we're not talking we're not we're not talking to any first at the same time. But at the same time, that was, trade was proposed to me. I accepted the trade, and then all of a sudden, he has no recollection. So once again, for a trade to process, for a trade to even show up on the league chat for anybody to even say anything on, has to be accepted by both teams. So you can't really mess that up twice, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not denying the fact that the trade happened, right? The trade happened. It was a dumb trade. Let's just put it that way. I mean, we're talking a 2023, probably top three first. We all know what we know about that 2023 class and Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel, right? And you gave away DK Metcalf, who, all right, maybe he's a top guy. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, let's yeah. not forget, guys. Debo Metcalf just came out. He was battling a foot injury all year, had surgery on it. Do we see the old DK Metcalf next season? Well, if Russell Wilson's still there, we might see some vintage domination. Just throwing that out there. Damian Harris, who, you know, 
he is artificially propped up by his touchdown numbers. Otherwise, he is a running back, you know, two, three level, right? And a 2023 fourth. So, not only, I mean, it was a screaming deal for you, Corey. Not denying that it was a screaming deal, but I, I mean, anybody in their right mind, anybody on this chat or anybody listening would have done the no, same exact I, thing. I, I think we agree. If that comes into your inbox, you certainly accept it. Turtle, I know you had some feelings over the trade. Um, what do you want to say? Oh, no, 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 no. Corey, Corey has been notorious for, for this kind of stuff for a long time, and I can't say anything but respect it because he runs a tight ship and he knows what he wants and he gets what he wants. He targets guys that he know he can target, and it's, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I, I can't say that I don't do the same, but sometimes when that comes, uh, comes to light, you realize it, and you're like, "Oh wow, Corey did it again," and that's what I feel like we all kind of felt in that in that uh, situation. Listen, man, we, we've all got our farm teams in this league, right? We've got Tojo, you know. Corey's Corey's got Sads, right? We've all got our farm teams. Not to mention Matt's burner phones, but we won't get into that. Yep, let's not get into that for the listeners now. <laughs> But I do, I do, I do get the the part with Tyler saying like I do, about running a tight ship. I do, I don't send a ton of trades like Tyler says. I hardly send any trade really, to be honest. So if I do accept a trade, I want to say ninety percent of the time it's usually proposed to me. Which in that case, both of them were. Yeah. So no, it's there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You um, you're smart with it. You you don't send trade offers out because. You don't. I don't know if it's a if it's a not feeling confident if, if you know the trade's going to be a good one or not, or if you just wait for somebody to have a moment of weakness and send you an absolute, you know, humdinger of a trade, and then you just smash accept. Which which won't be the first, won't be the last, and we've seen a couple of those trades that I'm sure people in the league have disagreed with. But like you said, if there's no in my mind in a league, we have. 12 people who are all fully engaged, you don't really veto a trade unless it's absolute known collusion or for this for the for the sake of this draft where we have five picks if there's uneven draft. So in that particular case, I'm thinking, all right, I'm just going to re-engage with that meet league member straight out the draft picks yeah. and go forward with, with Mark Andrews. He completely blows off Mark Andrews and, and says Zebo Samuel. So I'm like, okay, well, I can upgrade tight end later, I guess. <laughs> I, don't blame so- you. I don't blame you at all. So we get we're at a crossroads though. We got this league member who is temporary locked from trading. I think at this particular episode, I wanted to propose to the group here. Uh, I need I want to get him unlocked, right? Having one twelfth of the league disengaged for punishment or whatever we want to call it is is counterproductive to the entire to the other eleven league members. Um, so. Uh, what I wanted to do is implement a, a specific rule for this manager that any trade he is involved with, I need if we get a text message from him immediately following the trade that he says, yep, that is the intent, the trade that I intended to do, it will be processed. I do have one small issue with that, though, because as we all know, sometimes getting an answer from that league member could take a, a week. He might just accept the trade, and then you might not hear from him for three days, four days a week. So that might be difficult to do on all trades. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's your suggestion? Would you just replace this person? Well, I don't necessarily say replace, but I think if he's going to accept the trade, like like I said, it has to be both ways. So he obviously either accepted it or sent it. He can't be coming back later on saying, 
I mean, I, I have no recollection of that. So I don't know how we can have no recollection of it because he had to do – he was 50% of the problem. I think a negotiated deal, right? I mean, most of these negotiations are happening via text or, uh, you know, back uh, the sleeper app, uh, you know, negotiations, whatever. But I, I think a screenshot just being like, hey, you know, do are, are you consenting to this trade, right? Uh, you know, yes. That's all I want is I want to be able to, if a trade goes pending, I text him, is this what you want? Yes. The other manager, is this what you want? Yes. Push it through. No one mistakenly clicked a button. No one did blah, blah, blah. I just think, well, nothing against that league member, but I've done trades with all three of you on the speaker line through text, and we we haven't had to, we haven't had any issues when the trade goes through. I traded Turtle for Cooper Cup, the best receiver in the league this year. I didn't go back and say, oh, well, you know what? I don't, I don't have recollection of doing that. I've done trades with Brian, and I've done trades with Matt. I actually just did one with Matt recently. So no, that, nobody's going back so, and improve it. I don't think we're going to come to a conclusion now. I just wanted to float that potential idea, uh, and we'll figure out what to do there. Hashtag um, free sets. Yeah, so the the next one that we wanted to talk about, and, and this this certainly garnered a response was I was personally involved. I traded a one Rashad Bateman straight up. Uh, I think I paired uh, 2023rd, fifth round possibly. Um, and I, I got uh, 2023 first round. And that was seen as inflammatory. Why don't, why don't we talk about that, Brian Turtle? I think it was just a case of value, right? I mean, so, you know, we've, we've got a couple of new league members this year. We had a couple guys leave first year we mentioned last week. Um, you know, and, and, you know, new guys getting used to Dynasty, you know, figuring out what's going on, you know, and, and probably didn't realize exactly what he was trading, right? I mean, that's not any of our, our problems necessarily. That's his, right? But, you know, I think – you know, in that trade, you basically acquired the first overall pick in 2023 for a completely unproven wide receiver who may end up as, you know, a top 12 guy someday, but equally as likely is going to end up as a, you know, perennial wide receiver three. Yeah. So, Turtle, you're a big Rashad Bateman believer. You still think I got too much for what? Bateman put on tape year one. It's it's too hard. It's too hard to say. Rashad Bateman could eventually become that possession receiver that everyone thinks he could be. He could technically be the next uh, Keenan Allen if Lamar can get his act together. So I mean, until we see otherwise, it's very hard to really put a number on whether or not that draft pick was too high or not. In the time that it happened, you knew what you were doing because you knew that he's not a, a proven player yet, you know, and you were basically selling him on his uh, hope of potential to the other trade candidate. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 again, I don't think that's any fault of Matt's, right? I mean, no. he, he completely fleeced him on the trade, and that's, I mean, that's you know, good for Matt. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe actually, uh, you know, Matt ended up being the one that got fleeced because, uh, you know, he held on to Marquise Brown, and dude's going to go play video games for a living. So... <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, that was the main driver, right, is I had both Brown and uh, Bateman, and I had both Jefferson and K.J. Osborne, and I said, you know, part of my offseason strategy is going to be to diversify my wide receiver room. 
Um, so I, I made one trade with Osborne and this one with Bateman. Um, what I felt, what I was getting from the market is that Bateman's value really didn't change. I don't feel like he put a whole lot on tape. I feel like he had a few good games, but they were mostly with the backup, Tyler Huntley. So I didn't really know his dynamic with Lamar. It seemed every time Lamar was on the field, Hollywood Brown was the was the unquestioned, you know, 10 targets a game type guy. So when the market was still, you know, it is dynasty feeling like the value was pretty high. I said, well, I think I'm going to fetch more for him. Um, and then of course, you know, when that is agreed to, that's a trade that you accept, but you're right. Now I might be left with zero um, Baltimore wide receivers. If Hollywood doesn't get his head screwed on trade. Yep. That's true. Yeah. So, um, uh, the next trade that we wanted to talk about, Brian, I don't know if you had pulled it up, was the uh, the Joe Mixon one. Oh, yeah. The the original pants job. So if if you can kind of um, scroll through, try to try to grab that one. I don't know if it's in the uh, the previous. Leap, oh, no, I, I've got it. I've got you it. You got it screenshotted. Yeah. So just a little setup, then I'll hand it over <laughs> to you, was um, – this is our first season of Dynasty. Everything's kind of going swimmingly. The the it's that part of the season where you know nine to tw- nine of the twelve teams are involved in the playoff race. And out of the blue, this blockbuster comes through uh, that seemed very very skewed um, with not a team really giving up and getting draft capital. But just straight up getting fleeced. What what were the what were the exact uh, parts of that trade? Yeah. So this was this was a complete player for player deal, four for four. It happened on November 9th, so relatively early early in the season, right? And there, I mean, there's some things to keep in context, right? So one side was giving up Emmanuel Sanders, Ezekiel Elliott, David Njoku, and Zach Moss, right? So keep a couple things in context, you know, beginning of the season, Emmanuel Sanders, all the, all the analysts were on Emmanuel Sanders as being that wide receiver in Buffalo, yeah. right? That guy that Josh Allen could just rely on day in, day out. Yeah. Um, and, and he was producing a little bit, right? Zeke is Zeke, right? Um, you know, you, you could argue that, you know, last year was really the, the sell high year on Zeke and, and, you know, going forward here, he's, he's just going to consistently being, uh, losing value as a dynasty asset, but at the very least, he's still producing. He hadn't gotten that ACL injury yet, I don't think, um, or MCL injury. Um, you know, it was still producing as the, the, the elite that running back one he was. Yeah, David Njoku, who's okay, whatever, right? He had Zach Moss, who uh, who was you know he he was actually at that time I believe the the lead back in Buffalo. Um, you know, it was producing a little bit, but. So then on the other side of the trade, right? So I'll talk you through the first three players, which I think is basically an even trade at that point. You had Robbie Anderson, who, you know, wide receiver two in Carolina. Uh, uh, Darnold was playing pretty well at that point. Um, you know, and, and there were hopes for Anderson to improve. Joe Mixon, who was, you know, he, I mean, he had a, a, as good a season as he's had so far in the league. Um yeah, Dawson Knox, who was playing, you know, pretty much out of his mind all season, ended up as a the top tight end asset this year. And then the piece that really unbalanced this trade, and I think sort of shook the league, was 
the the fourth player in this, right? And it wasn't somebody who was playing this year. It wasn't somebody who was contributing value. You know, they were on IR. They got hurt before the season. But they're a top dynasty running back, and that's J.K. Dobbins. And the fact that he was included in this trade really just I, – I think it sent shockwaves for everybody because it, it turned it into a, a fairly balanced deal with that four for three and then just completely shifted the balance. Um you know, of that deal and really, you know, sort of enabled uh, the manager who got J.K. to to leverage those running backs into, uh, you know, into, I mean, he he's now in full rebuild mode, but he has, uh, he has, you know, I, I thought I had a lot of picks last week and uh, I no longer have that as many picks as he so. Yeah, I mean, if anyone in any league out there has Mixon and Dobbins in the, as their wide receiver stable, and you want to make a move, you should consider yourself nearly able to get anybody if you package them two in a two-for-one. Yeah, um, right. We're right. talking two great. Not only Mixon just had a great year top to bottom, um, but Dobbins I don't think has lost any of the shine that he had coming into 2022. ACLs are not the injury that we fear they were um, even five years ago. Uh, and who knows, maybe Achilles aren't the injuries that we feared even five years ago, um, we'll, and we'll see what happens to Cam Akers. But Brian, you're absolutely right. When you're talking about um, getting Joe Mixon and J.K. Dobbins um, for basically what? I mean, Zeke Elliott. Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, you tack on the others, I'll leave Robbie Anderson out of it, but Dawson Knox, we're talking dynasty here. Uh, there's some, there's some, I don't know, Kelsey move tight end potential there that you don't know what, what's going to blossom. Is he ever going to be the number one in Buffalo like Kelsey? Um, yeah, you could argue Kelsey is. I mean, I'd say probably not. You know, greater than 50% chance, no, they're always going to surround Josh Allen with an elite wide receiver one. But, um, yeah, I mean, Dawson and, and Joko are very, very different. So, dynasty drama, trade uh, that shook the league, Turtle – what was going through your mind when that trade went to pending? You know what it was. I was. I probably had a conniption fit that day. I can't remember. <laughs> exactly, but you know, I was saying some crazy stuff in the chat, like, "Why is this happening? Like, what are you doing? Who is this guy? Kick this kid out of the league!" All this crazy stuff. Because when you see a wax job, you see a wax job. Like, you, you, there's no, there's no pretending like it didn't happen. When you see it. Everyone sees it. And if the person that just got waxed doesn't see it, understand it, I feel very sorry for them. Maybe they should be taking up a different I'm very sorry. Yeah, so and, and let's not forget, in our league, that was the birth of the term ankling, right? So <laughs> what is it to be ankled is, I mean, you're reaching forward and you're grabbing your own ankles, right? And, <laughs> and someone, someone's standing behind you. Uh, this one manager certainly – had the first ever ankling. There's been a few since, but uh, man, that that was certainly a doozy. Corey, I guess um, we'll, we'll ask you, and we're going to end this segment and move on to our final segment. But you're a guy you like to win your trades. What what do you think as a spectator when this went down? Was there, it, like Brian was saying, a clear winner uh, and, and a very very clear loser? Absolutely. I mean, I think that manager who was selling J.K. Dobbins was trying to get 
possibly maybe you could say the wool over the other manager's eyes because he's not going to be out for the year. So you basically, I'm just going to throw this guy in and hopefully he, he won't notice the kind of thing under the radar, which is the only I can think of. And the other manager clearly didn't get the hint because they accepted it. But as you look back on it, as I just felt heard the full details from Brian, basically that trade is mixing, mixing Dobbins for Zeke Elliott. And I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody else in the league besides that one person who would have accepted that. So on the surface, it looks really bad. That other manager, I believe, is no longer in the league anymore. I don't think it's due to the trade, but just 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 as a whole, it was kind of like, wow, I thought some trades were bad, but this one, to me, was probably the one on the icing on the cake for me. Yeah, you, that one didn't sit well with you. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Corey, for being part of uh, the, the trade drama segment. Uh, we're going we're gonna to move on a bit. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. All right, so Thanks, um, yeah, so I mean, we'll certainly continue to talk. It's dynasty, right? So trades are always going to happen, if and when the the scenario arises where we we get a few that really tip the league balance. Um, we'll talk about them, or if we just have a particular busy wave, um, which we did actually this week. There was a there was a twenty four hour wave uh, where man, something was in the water. Every team was getting involved with with pretty big trades. I mean, these weren't small ones, just one fine day. Um, what was it? February 15th or something for a 24 hour period. Just stuff was going down, man. So uh future episode, we'll cover that, you know, maybe the craziest 24 hours we've seen in our league so far. But um, I think a lot of those trades were even, it would be more fun just to recap them. So people can get an idea of how, uh, maybe some of the movers and shakers are valuing assets, you know, at this point in the off season and what moves they're doing. Um, and going back to our last episode, when we kicked things off, we were talking about the team that decides on the rebuild first is the team that's going to win that rebuild. They are going to get the most for their picks and the teams that decide, Hey, I'm going to contend, but ultimately they turn out to be a pretender and November timeframe start to sell off their assets. Those good assets, essentially, if you're in a rebuild, you want those draft picks. They're going to be with the teams that have invested heavily in the rebuild already. So we saw a good example of that. And that's probably a good topic for a future episode that we'll touch on. On the subject of trades that we've talked about, we stepped through four very potentially uneven trades. We all we wanted to leave you with, with some trade advice in terms of when we put our heads together, we came up with the main, and I'll put this in air quotes, fair types of trades. And and we came up with four examples. Um, The first example, and and I think these are all going to be things that you know, but maybe you don't think of, but, but as you think of approaching a trade and you want it to be perceived as fair, um, If you want it to be fair and equitable and you don't want to pull the wool over someone's eyes, you don't want to get ankled or give an ankling, um, here's the way to go about it. So the first one that we'll call uh, Team A getting players one and four and Team B getting players two and three. And what we mean by that is if you have four players and you rank them one to four, if one team is getting the best player and the worst player in that deal – and the other team is getting 
Um, the middle two, by and large, you, you could consider that deal fair. Now, let's run a test. Let's run a quick test. I'm going to pull up uh, just some online rankings here on Fantasy Pros. I'm looking at the Fantasy Football Dynasty rankings. We're looking at Superflex, PPR scoring, last updated February 17th. Um, Brian, I want you to give me two numbers, one low, one high, and just – uh, let's not let's not use like the top twenty picks, right? Because if you throw in someone like Najee and Josh Allen, it, those types of trades, I think we're all smart enough to know where the the real person's going. It's it's you know. But let's talk about you know. Let's go outside of the top twenty five guys and let's give me some numbers, one higher and one lower. Yeah, let's do like uh, thirty five and eighty five. Okay, so thirty five. You you got to remember these. Thirty five is T Higgins. He's the overall wide receiver eleven. Number eighty five represents. Oh boy, it represents Damian Harris, uh, who they have the, as the RB twenty eight in Dynasty at eighty five. So one side is getting T Higgins and Damian Harris. Turtle, give me two numbers in the middle of those two, probably more closely coupled together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a. Uh... Give me 40, 49 and 57. Okay, 49 is, and this is going to be a little strange trade. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers. 57 is Amari Cooper. Oof. All right. So you got one side, Aaron Rodgers and Amari Cooper. Give me a, you know what? I'm just going to take the QB out of it because we're talking super flex and it's hard to know. Uh, take, take 48. Um, 48, David Montgomery. That's all right. Yeah. Okay, so you got David Montgomery and Amari Cooper on one side, and you got Damian Harris and um, T. Higgins on the other, right? Uh, personally, I would consider probably if you drew out those four points on um, on a distribution plot, you'd see that T. Higgins is probably way to the left just because of the gap between um, – 35 and 85 but by and large what what do you guys think uh, i think we were talking about damian harris early in the show very inflated from his tds this past year uh, ramondre stevenson's not going anywhere do you see the david montgomery beating damian harris as a big enough win to concede amari cooper for t higgins I don't. I don't. I, I, especially with the uh, dynasty mindset, whereas you're trying to collect the youngest assets that you possibly can. I would much rather keep T. Higgins and just build off of Damian Harris. Maybe go out and try to get a guy like Ramondre Stevenson in case Bill Belichick decides to pull the rug under Harris after his third year. Um, you know, but it's it's not like it's an such an uneven trade that it would really spin heads. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to ask, and maybe maybe I should have asked the question better, uh, Brian and Turtle, is if that league – I mean, sorry, if that trade suddenly went to pending in your league, um, are you having a conniption fit like you, you said before? No, not at all. Well, if, if I knew uh, Damian Harris was worth 2023 first, I'd be doing that trade all day. <laughs> All right, uh, a, a call from earlier in the episode on a Damian Harris trade. Uh, it was a quick and dirty example, guys, but by and large, if you're looking at those and trying to construct a trade, you can always send that 
If you want the one and four or you want you're targeting the two, three range, you can construct something like that. And then you can even share with the other owner and appeal to them and say, here's why I think it's fair. You're getting the best player in the trade. I'm getting the middle two and you're getting the fourth best player, but he's not even that bad. Um, here's, here's why I'm viewing it as even and, and try to be compelling that way. So that, that's one way to go about it. The other one, and, um, this is one that I, that I see a lot happening is a two for one. And generally what happens is if you're giving the two or you're getting the one, uh, you're, you're trying to jump a tier, right? Um, you're trying to pair a, a lower end RB two and some wide receiver with re- name recognition, maybe a wide receiver two, and you're trying to jump into the RB one tier. Now, Brian Turtle, if you get a two for one, you as a manager, how do you react to that? Do you look at a two for one and see that you're sending the one? And you automatically are turned off to it because alarm bells are going off in your head that I must be giving up the better player if I'm getting two for him. How do you guys uh, react when you get it when you get an incoming trade like that? Yeah, I'm generally not a huge fan of the two for one, um, but you know, then again, I think it depends on situation, right? I mean, if if I'm a win now team, I've got an asset that's helping me now, and somebody's trying to give two lesser assets that. You know, don't really do anything for my team. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to really entertain that. Right. The, 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 the cases where I would entertain that one is if I'm rebuilding and yeah. you're giving me a couple uh, assets that you know they're they're lower end assets right now, but they've got the opportunity to to pop. Right. So let's let's take an example. Right. If, if you're um, if you're shooting me over, you know, Chase Claypool, Rondale Moore, right? I mean, we talked about Rashad Bateman, right? Yep. You're looking for a, a wide receiver who's, you know, he's got legs underneath him, right? He's, he's shown what he can do in the league, right? And he's, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably thinking about those those two assets that may end up being something someday and, and, and giving it a thought. Um, you know, the, the other thing is you got to be strategic in how you're positioning that two-for-one because – you could position a two for one in such a way that, you know, you, you are strengthening another position for another team, right? If they're weak at wide receiver and you're offering them, you know, two wide receiver twos and you're getting a, a running back one and that guy's got running back depth, right? It may make sense for that owner to make that trade. So it's it's really strategic in how you go about doing it, I think. Yeah, you really want to you want to go through your and I think the way you answered it was perfect, right? It essentially sums up to context matters. You could be very much willing to part especially in the dynasty format with the superior on paper superior asset if you're in a rebuild. Maybe that asset is one of those age 26 line running backs, uh, a running back approaching, you know, 1200 plus touches, 1400 plus touches or an aging wide receiver that's got that big brand name, and maybe you want to trade that Devontae Adams, who's in his age 29 season, for some of the names you just said, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Chase Claypool, um, if you know you're out of it. Now, uh, certainly the other owner is coming to you and is expressing interest in, in your asset. So try to extract as much value 
but you know it is a very viable trade um depending on the context and the situation that you're in turtle did you have any thoughts on that one no, I mean, just for an example, I mean, I traded Devon, I, I got Devontae Adams and I traded two very good wide receiver, um, wide receivers in the process. But I have a very, I have a win now team and I also have a good dynasty team for years to come. So, I mean, I think it was the right move for me. Now I just got to hope that um, Devontae goes to a good team, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't suck to be the Devontae Adams owner in a dynasty. No. You know, I, I don't think we're at that point. So, okay. The the other one, if your league allows it, is uh, through combining an inferior player with a draft pick upgrade. I don't really think there's too much to go on, uh, or I'm sorry, to dive into there. But that's one way if you want to make a jump and you don't want to do a two-for-one trade is you can bridge the gap. Uh, or the perceived gap in talent between the two players involved in the trade um, with that draft pick. Now, that's a good segue into draft picks overall, right? Which is, um, if you're new to Dynasty, you may not know really how to value them. Um, some people, uh, even even speakers right now, value them polar opposites, right? Turtle, I'd say you like to turn in your draft picks for known commodities today. Brian, yep. you're the guy, you're the kind of owner who enjoys stockpiling and, you know, getting that rookie and having them from, from day one. Um, what would you say to the listeners um, in terms of if you're making that, that kind of trade and you are including the draft pick, you're the, you're the team trying to upgrade via a draft pick. What should owners know um, before they go send their, future first round, uh, whether it be in, in 22 or 23 or beyond, just what are some of the things they should, they should know before they let it go? Yeah, I, I'd say, uh, the value of the draft pick is, uh, increasing in value the closer you get to the rookie, uh, draft, right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I remember, you know, I, I had stockpiled picks in during the season this year and, and I had gone into the season rebuild. Right. And, and I was getting a ton of flack for it in the league. Right. Nobody, everybody's saying, oh, 22 classes, trash, 22 classes isn't going to be anything. Right. And over time that, that narrative has started to change where, you know, we're starting to see some value in the 22 class. Maybe there's not a Jonathan Taylor. Maybe there's not a, you know, a, a, at the time perceived value of like a, a Saquon Barkley, you know, I mean, I've heard uh, if Traylon, if there's comparing Traylon Burks to Debo Samuel, I say that's not a bad pick. Who doesn't? Oh, want yeah. I mean, yeah. Now, I mean, you got people talking, you know, exactly Traylon Burks, like, like Debo, you got Malik Willis who, you know, may, may end up as a top 10 uh, quarterback pick. And, you know, if he's in the mold of a, a running quarterback with a strong arm, I mean, you, you see, uh, Jalen Hurts, you see Trey Lance, like th those guys are top 12 uh, quarterbacks, right? They're not like good passers, but they're, they're doing it on their legs. And, you know, they're, they're assets in this draft class. You know, there are going to be players that provide value. So uh, what I'm hearing is if you are going to part with a pick, try to part with it when the pick holds the most value. So if we're talking 2022, um, 
parting with that 2022 pick in September of 21, when the draft is so far away, you know, in the following May, you're not going to get as much value as if you held it and, well, now the draft is only a few months away. That's all anyone is talking about. If you're listening to a podcast, that's all they're hearing. Um, you, you want those rebuilders to maximize that value. Absolutely, right? And, and, I mean, to be completely honest, you may see the flip side happen with the 2023 class. I mean, I, I, I th- this class is the, the most hyped I've ever seen. That Again, this is the 2023 class, not the 2022, but there is so much hype about that class. You know, I mean, those players, I mean, they, they may be great, but, uh, you know, you got you got to be – thinking that maybe there's also an opportunity for for those picks to lose value as well so yeah and and you know it's it's a great point and I was I was having this conversation the other day um I forget with who right but um essentially I remember this time last year um we were hearing what Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell were far and away going to be runaway 101, 102, and I'm not talking fantasy draft, I'm talking real life NFL draft. These guys were were were, you know, king kings, right? They they were the next king makers of what team they land on. Um one year and that that's the QB position. I got to concede the QB position is the hardest to predict. Wide receiver the easiest, running back situation dependent. But um I think we as people, and the the conversation was around our ability to predict the future. I think people in general, but especially the fantasy community, way overweight their ability to accurately predict things in the future. And I'm not saying don't weight it as heavily as, you know, I'm not saying zig when everyone else is zagging. But what I am saying is, if you have too much confidence in yours or others' ability to predict, um, you're going to end up one year later where Spencer Rattler is, I don't know, is he even out? I think he's going to return for another year and where Sam Howell is maybe a second round pick or something like that, where, you know, you've seen these few shifts in, in terms of value. You see Jamison Williams um, go from a school he he's – the fourth wide receiver um, on the depth chart. Now he's the best guy in Alabama comes out of nowhere. It could be a first round pick. Obviously he's got the ACL, but you see these rises and you see these falls. So just piggybacking Brian on your point in terms of be smart with your picks, certainly. But um, if someone's smacking you upside the deal with a great player and if it's dynasty, if they're young, um, you know, maybe you let that pick go, even if it has the, the 2023 in front of it. Yeah. And I, I saw a tweet and it was somebody who went to, uh, the senior bowl. Right. And, and the tweet said something like, it's, it's incredible to me how differently fantasy analysts and real life NFL, NFL analysts look at and analyze players. Yeah. Right. And and I I know right I mean I'm following a lot more fantasy analysts than I am NFL analysts right and you never know how these guys get used so and it, it's great to know the guys and you can back some horses now in February and March but a whole hell of a lot is going to be where they land um, in those last three days of April so when you can now you got you, you got your horses that you're backing 
And now you're going to be able to layer in what you're talking about, Brian, is what does the NFL draft community, the actual scouts in those front offices think of these players? And um, that's when we start talking about draft capital and draft capital. It means a lot, but also landing spot, right? Um, Turtle, uh, you're the other end of the spectrum. Um, You like to let players, you like to evaluate current NFL players and if you can land a guy that you like, you're parting with those picks two, three years out in the future, you'll, you'll mortgage your draft pick capital for player capital today. Walk us through, you know, your approach to that. Always. I always want to be competing and I, I could always, I could always trade my assets for younger assets. So, I mean, that's my, that's my strategy. I, I don't want to, I don't want to really be in rebuild, rebuild mode. There's so many young players out there that are in their and third year that's going to play for many, many more years. So I don't really see a point in just stockpiling draft picks if I'm going to try to compete this year. Yeah. that That's how I look at it. Like, I, I definitely could, like, stockpile. Like, I just had the one in the five. I had the one uh, fifth, fifth pick overall in the rookie draft and the seventh pick overall, or fifth and sixth. And you know what? I just decided I'm going to go a different way, and I ended up with J.K. Dobbins, who's – a 23-year-old running back on one of the best offenses in the NFL. So why wouldn't I not want to have him when I know he's already a proven proven asset that's going to play for a long time? Yeah, so essentially, looking back to the one we were just talking about, you did a two-for-one. You don't know yeah. what those other two players are yet, but you said if I can give up two and get one, well, hell, I'm going to do it because I think I'm getting the better player, and that's a gamble you're willing to make. Correct. Well, yeah, I mean, that's good. So, you know, as we were talking about last episode – what we really want to do in, in our podcast is, is really give you insight into the various personas of a fantasy manager, right? And, and you may relate more to, to Turtle, who's what I'm reading between the lines. He's saying, you know what, from September to December, this is my period of enjoyment when it comes to fantasy for the year. It's only a few months. I want to compete every year. I don't find enjoyment in the rebuilds. Um, and that's a perfectly fine example. If you lean more towards that way, keep your ears perked to what Turtle's saying in future episodes. If you do find value in the rebuilding, you you want the long game. You want to build um, what you perceive to be the dynasty via the draft and, and via backing your rookies and and being savvy in the trade market and all that. Perk your ears up for what Brian's saying. And if you want to win, listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so the, la- the last of the four, quote, even types of trades um, we were talking about is selling for a sur- selling your surplus for a need or going to get someone's other area of surplus for an area of need for them. And, Brian, I think you kind of hit on this earlier, so we won't dwell on it too much. But like you said, if you see a guy who's got a stable of running backs, he's weak on wide receiver – you're a surplus on wide receiver. You can think of, hey, will you give me an RB1? I'll give you a wide receiver too. At the end of the day, their names on paper hold certain value. Maybe sentimental, maybe more value than they should. At the end of the day, though, if you get nine spots or you get 10 spots in your starting lineup, it's your responsibility as a manager to fill those spots with the best players possible to score the most points. If you have so many running backs that there's one good guy on the bench or a guy on the bench who's good enough to pop into your flex spot or your starting lineup 
because your wide receivers are, you know, lacking so much, you need to make that point computation and see, okay, if I go take on these middle of the pack wide receiver twos um, and give up this higher end RB, what is my point total outlook? Does my team net get better? The guys, even if they're good, if they're sitting on your bench, they're not scoring you points. Now, in Dynasty, certainly you got deep benches. Those trades are maybe a little bit easier to make in redraft because you can hold guys longer and there's more players to choose from. Um, but just something to think about. We don't need to spend too much time on it. Brian, I don't know. You brought it up before. Uh, did I capture that one uh, pretty much as, as you were thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think the play is by low so high, right? And then, um, I mean, you, you, you I, I sort of liken it to like, you know, and I think I made while we were discussing a potential trade at some point, right? It's like a car, right? Uh, you can keep buying low selling high for your life, but eventually you got to drive the car off the lot and you got to recognize that it's going to depreciate. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta find that balance of, you know, who am I going to, who am I going to plant my flag in and say, this is the guy that's going to be on my roster. going to take me to the championship versus, who's the guy that I'm willing to trade and get the value to enable me to continue to compete for, for years to come. Right. Uh, But you know, you you gotta, you gotta stay water, right. You always have to be willing to trade any asset you have. Um, I mean, if a compelling enough offer comes along and and it's uh, it just sort of blows it out of the water, you gotta, you gotta assess and reanalyze and, and uh, you know, take the good. So, yep. No, I hear you. All right, guys, we are we are well over the one hour twenty minute mark. We're gonna go go ahead and wrap. Um, just a heads up for our next episode. Um, we're gonna get into rookies. We're gonna talk a lot about the incoming rookie class. Uh, we'll go position by position and talk about our favorites um, for the first half of the episode. And the second half of the episode, we'll conduct. Um, uh, a two or three round rookie mock draft, uh, the length to be determined. Uh, but we'll try to get some more uh, guest speakers on for that. Um, so when we do the rookie mock draft, it's not just us three picking every three picks, uh, but we can kind of talk that through. Uh, we'll capture it in a spreadsheet. We can make it part of the show docs and all that. So that's what's uh, that's what's coming coming up in our next episode. Uh, Turtle, Brian, any uh, final sign-off from Mark? New logo coming soon, everybody. So watch out for that on the new uh, social medias. Yeah, yeah, Turtle's right. As, as part of us signing off, um, you know, we, we just started with this, but we're really enjoying it. Um, and we're going we're gonna to get more legit. We'll, we'll get on with the socials. We'll get the, the logo updates. We're going to get the sound drops and all the new stuff and features that, that Colin just released. Uh, we're going to get good at it, and we're going to make the quality of the show uh, better. But, you know, definitely definitely happy with, with where we're taking it so far. We've gotten some good feedback from, you know, our, our closer circles. And uh, we hope if you find any value in it that you're sharing it out and, and we can make this a fun community to be part of. So once again, we'll outro it with uh, Flow. That's by Luke Bergs. Uh, thanks for listening tonight, guys. We'll talk to you next week. 